is easier to get into heaven, a good person or a bad person? That was my opening line for a talk that I gave at my church. We were holding a lunchtime concert and there were 50 or so members of the Eastbourne public there to listen to a music recital. I think it was Gilbert and Sullivan or some kind of light operetta, that sort of thing. I got up at the halfway point and I was given five minutes to speak, so I thought it's important to grab attention quickly. So I said, who is easier to get into heaven, a good person or a bad person? I left the question hanging in the air and then I answered it. I said, obviously a bad person. It's far easier to get a bad person into heaven than a good person. And if you want proof, you only need to read Jesus' most famous parable, the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. There, a father has two boys, a baddie and a goodie, and who ends up at the final feast, which represents heaven? Who receives the forgiveness and welcome of the father? It's the bad son, right? And who is left outside the feast, furious and refusing to go in with weeping and wailing and the angry gnashing of teeth? Well, the good son is left outside. So there you are, proof, it's proof. It's easier to get a bad person into heaven than a good person. That was my talk, essentially. Imagine their faces. Uh, there they were, cultured people, refined people, music fans. They, they were expecting a few moral epithets and some mildly interesting cultural observations at best. And there I was, shutting the gates of heaven in the faces of all good people. One woman piped up with great indignation. She said to her neighbour, supposedly, in a loud voice, so that the whole church could see it. She said, I suppose we should all just become bad then. It echoed around the church. It stopped the talk. I had expected some kind of response to my talk. I was not expecting heckling. But that's what happens when the message of Jesus goes out. The grace of Christ is dynamite. As we saw last time, this parable that's usually known as the prodigal son, actually it's, it's about two sons. It's about a father with two sons. And it mirrors the way that the world is divided into sinners and slaves. When we see the younger and older sons relating to their father, we are watching how the unrighteous and the self-righteous relate to Jesus. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them, and the self-righteous are livid. They get so mad, they even start doing angry things that respectable people don't do, like yelling in church. What did I say to this woman? She had stopped the talk. Do you remember what she said? I, I say only good people, only bad people get into heaven. And she said, I suppose we just all have to become bad then, don't we? What did I say to her? I said, we don't have to become bad, do we? Uh, if you follow the story of the younger son, we can all see our own sin in him. We're all like him, actually. Let's see if you don't identify with this younger brother. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Here's what the younger son is saying. He's saying, Dear Dad, you know all that money that I'm getting when you die? You seem to be taking your time, and frankly, I can't stand it any longer. Must I put up with another day in which I endure your presence and the absence of my inheritance? I would like it the other way around, frankly. I wish you were dead. Please give me the fruits of your death now so that I can take your things and get off as far away from you as I possibly can. Love your son. Okay, that, that's essentially what he's saying to his dad. And it makes us realize that this younger brother in this story, he is not a rough diamond. He is not a, a lovable rogue. He's scum. You don't treat your dad like this, especially when your dad is as generous as this dad. This sinner is appalling. But then we've got to hold up the mirror to ourselves and we need to ask ourselves, what have we done with the Lord of Heaven? Don't we say to the Lord of Heaven, dear Lord, I, I, I like your stuff. 
I don't want you. I'll take your blessings, I don't want your presence. Give me your things, but I don't want a relationship. This is the default mode of the human heart. As I said to the heckler, it's not a case of becoming bad. We all need to realize we are bad. We have all said to the Lord, I want your things, I don't want you. The difference is this younger brother is bold enough to voice it. Slaves would never say it out loud. The older brother would never be so brazen as to say this out loud. But notice what happens in verse 12. The father divides his property between them. See? The older brother also takes the father's things as well. He didn't come and ask for them, but he takes them nonetheless. As we'll see, the, the older brother also has a disastrous relationship with his father. Neither sinners nor slaves want the Lord. They only want to use the Lord and get things out of him. The sinners take his blessings and run to the far country. The slaves take his blessings and build their reputation in the field. But both of them are bad sons. Both need to be reconciled to the father. But did you notice what kind of father he is? In stark contrast to his grasping children, he is incredibly generous. He gives his ungrateful children what they want. He agrees to the younger son's demand and hands him over to his wicked and foolish desires. It breaks apart his property, it tears open his very life, but that is the kind of father he is. What will the younger son do with the mercy, with the money of the father? Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a far country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. It's a familiar story, isn't it? This sinner tries to throw off the shackles, but he gets mired even deeper. He goes for riches, he ends up broke. He goes for freedom, he ends up enslaved. He goes for feasting, he ends up starving. He goes for wild living, he ends up in a pigsty. If the far country is beckoning you, look carefully at this story. The far country is a mirage. The pigsty is the reality. We think we will find ourselves by leaving home, but as we depart from our true home, we only lose ourselves. You know, the far country will not liberate you. True liberation is found at home, in the love of the man who welcomes sinners and eats with them. Recognize that you too are a sinner. You too seek his fortune, but not his face. But there is no country too far from his welcoming love. Today, Jesus remains the friend of sinners.